Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we're talking with Jennifer Beats. As the founder of Genuine Conversations, she works with women on tackling limiting beliefs. Jennifer helps women not only face their fears, but shatter them into pieces. I love that. Jen, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me, Emily. It's great to be a guest on your podcast today. Yeah. And what I love about what we're going to get into is that it is raw and it's honest. Mm. You are very straightforward about your own parenting journey and the highs and the lows, which I so appreciate because we'll get into in a minute. A lot of times it feels like all we hear is the parenting wins and it makes Mm. us feel like, are we the only one that has bad days in motherhood and parenthood, right? And I love that you're honest. So let's just jump right in because in your parenting journey, you admit that in your words, you didn't knock it out of the park in the beginning years. Can you talk more about why you say that? Yeah, sure. So I have two children. They're both young adults now. However, Back it up to 20 years ago when I had the kids, I at that time decided I was going to venture out and leave the workforce. And I decided that I was going to raise my children at home. That in itself was a pretty big decision to make. I was very much alone in my decision. At that particular time, I didn't have a lot of other women that had made that decision. And so initially, when I started to parent, I was quite alone. Now, my mom and my sister and my aunts all chose to parent differently than I did. And so when my children were born and I was coming across obstacles, it took me some time to find other women that supported me and that also held ideals that were similar to me, especially when it came to discipline, especially when it came time to having discussions with our children, just in Mm -hmm. raising our children in general. Mm -hmm. And so in the beginning, I felt like a fish out of water. I, although my parents, I came from a very loving family, the way that my parents raised me, I was conscious that there were some patterns in my family that I didn't want to take forward with me. Yeah, let's talk about that. Can you drill down a little deeper? I think a lot of people listening can identify with many of the things that you say, and we'll tackle the loneliness piece here in a minute. But Tell us more about these patterns. How did you discover them and how did you break them? Well, just reflecting on my own childhood when it came to punishment, back then my parents chose to punish using a strap, which really as a child scared me. I really knew that I had crossed a boundary with my parents. However, what lacked after the consequence was the conversation. 
And so although I knew from a punitive uh, standpoint that I had done something wrong, there was a lack of conversation behind that. And so I knew when it came time for me to raising my children that I would not discipline using violence. And yet my children still needed to be disciplined. And so I had to find other ways, ways that were new to me, that were not presented to me in my childhood, nor through any role modeling of my family. And so I found that I was really in a new pool of water raising my children. I knew I wanted to do things differently. I knew I wanted to involve my children in more of my life. I was also raised in an environment where children were to be seen and not heard. And I knew that when it was my turn to parent, that my children were going to be invited into my world and that I was going to listen to them and take what they had to say into consideration. And that in itself was new to me. Again, I didn't really know how to take what they were saying and integrate it into my parenting. So for a while there, I didn't get it right. I was basically telling them instead of showing them. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until they became a little bit older in their years that I started to get more curious with them and started to ask them more questions and started to have deeper discussions with them about things that really mattered. Even, you know, talking about sexual education with my children, I did that at an early age. I've always held this idea that, well, my motto is that, you know, the lack of conversations equals a lack of confidence in our children and a lack of education. And Mm -hmm. so in the beginning, I thought that by, again, by telling them what to do, that everything was just going to magically fall into place. And I quickly realized with my son that that just was not going to happen. My son was very spirited and he was going to prove to be a challenging situation for me that would push me to discover new things, not only about myself, but about the ways that I think about parenting. Mm-hmm. It's so important that we involve our kids in the problem solving process. We just recently had a guest on Judy Arnell, and she talked about how oftentimes parenting, particularly with punishment, it's one way and it is punitive and it's mm-hmm. meant to hurt, you know, and we come at it from a loving place, but it, it's a one sided situation. And she encourages us to make it two-sided and or more in the sense of we're on the same team actually right the other side is the problem Mm. and that you and your child are working together to fix that problem and you engage them in conversations you engage them in the process and yes it not only builds their confidence but it builds a stronger relationship with your kids which is what i know we all want Mm -hmm. and i love that you're also saying the same things because i think many of us struggle with feeling like i'm just the one always doing the telling doing the yelling you know i feel like i'm nagging i'm this and that and 
And we want that relationship. And I do think it often starts with conversations involving our kids. So I want to go back to the fact that you mentioned how your parenting philosophy was different from key women in your life. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that made for interesting family gatherings. Right. How did you navigate that? Right. So even in the beginning stages, I chose to nurse my children. And Mm -hmm. that was very different from the way that my mom, my sister and my aunts raised us. Mm -hmm. And so that in itself took a lot of strength to be able to go to family functions and to be comfortable to nurse my child in those settings. Now, we didn't have a lot of conversations about it. It wasn't really open for discussion. I really did feel alone while I was doing that. And yet I knew that it was the best for my child. In addition to the nursing piece, my mother was also raised by a mother who believed that unless children were crying, we shouldn't be holding them. So when I came home or when I went over to visit my my parents, I would often have my baby on my lap. I was always holding my child. And I would be questioned as to why I was holding my child if they weren't crying or they didn't need to be fed. And I just had a different philosophy on my children. And I, again, wanted to reinforce that I wanted them to be with me and part of my life. And I didn't need to leave them alone in order for them to feel good about themselves. In fact, I wanted them to be included, which again, was just slightly different from the way my mother was raised. It's very hurtful to feel second guessed or questioned Mm -hmm. or having to constantly prove what you feel is the right thing for you and your child, especially when it comes from someone you love so much. Yes, it was really difficult. In fact, at that time, I remember reaching out to my mom, I was postpartum with my second child, not really feeling like I've got this yet. And she basically at that time had said that she had raised her children already, and that it was my turn to do this. And she didn't really offer me any kind of comforting advice. And it was at that time that I realized, then you know what? It's time for me to embrace who I am and what I want to do and to be myself despite what others might think of me, despite them not believing in the way that I'm choosing to parent my children. I'm sure that was an important turning point for you. It sure was. It was difficult and yet it was empowering at the same time. So when you were a stay-at-home mom, you were in search of this community because as you said, it was lonely and you didn't have the support necessarily from your family or friends. And so you went to a church function hoping to meet some other women And your son was with you. And as you said, he has a different temperament than other Mm -hmm. children, a bit of a misfit, if you will. And their reaction to him breaking down was not what you were expecting. Can you tell us that story and how you felt in those moments? 
Yes. As you said, I would attend a weekly mom's group at a local church in my area. And I loved the setting. We would take our children downstairs where grandmas and grandpas would volunteer their time to spend with our children while moms were upstairs doing other activities. Only every time I would bring my son to that environment, he would have a tantrum every time I tried to leave him. And in fact, it wasn't until the 17th time of me dropping him off for this hour and a half that he stopped crying. Now, during those 17 times, I had to go upstairs and confess to other mothers that my child was being a little more fussy. My child wasn't settling down as easy. And I was constantly met with should. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. And that really pierced my heart. They didn't know that here I was raising my children the best that I thought I could in different ways than I was raised and how difficult that was only to be in an environment with other moms that were shooting me. And I recognized at that very point too, that I was not going to let them should me. And what I should do is stay true to who I am. And it was extremely difficult and yet empowering to have these conversations with other mothers, because there was always one in the group that resonated with me. And before long, her and I would get together. And sure enough, her child was exhibiting certain characteristics that my child was. And when I found that, there was this sense of relief inside. When I found that other parent, that other mother, she was much more open to hearing the struggles and the obstacles and to the different ways that we could parent our children that didn't fit into these nice little boxes. Mm -hmm. That story is such an important reminder and one that I have to remind myself of a lot, which is sometimes we're not looking for fixes. We're not looking for solutions. We're looking for a listening ear. We're looking mm. for empathy. We're looking for someone to say, I understand. That's hard. Mm. That's tough. Motherhood's tough. And I will confess, I'm a fix it kind of person. I'm the first to say, you could do this, you could do that, and should, should, should. And that can just take someone out when they're already down. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so important to remember. I think we can all remember a circumstance where we were in a similar situation mm -hmm. and we really just needed someone to give us a hug. Yes. And not tell us how we could do better. Oh, gosh, that's so true. And I have been guilty of that myself, Emily, of offering solutions. We're nurturing, we're caring, we're loving. And mothers are like that. We want others to feel comfortable and to be happy. And sometimes that means providing a solution. However, I've also been in a situation where I really appreciate being listened to and mm -hmm. being heard and validated. And you're right. Sometimes that comes in the form of, oh my gosh, 
that must be difficult. And just being empathetic and holding space for mom as she processes what she's going through. Because I know that moms put a lot of pressure on themselves to be the best that they can be for their children. And often when we're discussing our struggles, that is an opportunity for us. Yeah, we really want to be heard in that situation, not told what we could be doing better. Mm -hmm. On that note, with your expertise in working through limiting beliefs, what are some specific limiting beliefs that you often hear from moms? You know, I think that many of us walk around with a universal limiting belief, whether we're parents or not. And that is just that we're not good enough. And I know from my experience as a mother, as well as being surrounded by other mothers, oftentimes we don't feel good enough. We're constantly comparing ourselves to other parents. And more often than not, we do not see the whole picture of that parenting story. We see people in public settings. And when we're in public settings, oftentimes we're different than who we are when we're in the privacy of our own home. And also, we're not comfortable always sharing our struggles with other parents. We don't want to face judgment. We don't want to face not being liked for the way that we're choosing to parent our children. You know, my favorite quote is that comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And I know I had my own struggles. I wanted my children to be this. Well, we all want our children to listen to us to do and be the best that they can. But what do we do when they're not? Oftentimes we go inside and we berate ourselves. We tear ourselves down for not being a better parent. And my question is, a better parent to who? Who are we comparing ourselves to? having raised young adults, I know, as we all know, there is no handbook. So who are we comparing ourselves to? Mm -hmm. Right? And I feel like those comparisons and feelings of not being good enough are amplified for mothers of misfits. When your child doesn't fit the mold, when you're out with friends and they're talking about how they're the son is in the dean's list, their daughter got captain of cheerleading team, all these great things. And maybe your child is failing school, or maybe mm-hmm. your child's struggling with behavioral issues, or maybe mm-hmm. your child is working through a physical disability. And it feels like you just have nothing in common with them in that moment, or you're embarrassed to talk about your situation and you feel so isolated and lonely And I do feel like we internalize that. Mm -hmm. It becomes what's wrong with me. Why can't I do better? Why am I failing so much? I think this is just so relevant to this podcast in particular, because I do think that's 
an even tougher struggle Mm -hmm. for moms of kids who feel like outliers. Yes. Oh, gosh, there's so much goodness in that. I also recognize that while I was raising my children, I did not do my inner work. Mm-hmm. That made a difference. Now that I have done my inner work, when I experience outside challenges now, I do not react the way that I used to when prior to doing the inner work. And so what you were just speaking of, Emily, many women facing what's wrong with me, I feel like a failure, also ties into, you know, where they are in doing their inner work. Mm -hmm. Many of us have not done that inner work to build that inner resiliency. Therefore, when others question what we're doing, we tend to believe that they know better than we know ourselves. And so my invitation to others is to spend that time doing their inner work and getting to know who they really are at their core so that when they are parenting their children, it's coming from their heart. And when Mm -hmm. we're speaking our truth, we're not an imposter. Right. And so many times I find as parents, we have that tendency to feel like an imposter. We didn't get a handbook on everything to do. Right. This really pushes us out of our comfort zone. And so we would do well to do our inner work, not only for ourselves, but the better we know ourselves, the better relationships we can have with our children as well. I also found that prior to doing my inner work, I was more reactive. And so whenever having a child who was spirited, I would often react instead of respond. And so Mm. in the beginning years, I was more reactive to my children and Mm. more short and less talking. Like I said, as I did the inner work on myself, that's when I started to discover that being authentic and being myself and speaking my truth had more value than looking out my window and trying to compare myself to others. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to have uncomfortable conversations now with my children and with other parents. That's huge. That really is. Mm -hmm. This inner work, is there a simple process we can follow to do that or a simple step we can take today to at least get started? Mm, I know for me, you know, there's several things that really helped me do my inner work. For me, the catalyst was finding meditation. Mm -hmm. Right. We live in a very busy world. We have many thoughts coming into our minds at any given time and day. And I was on overload. I had difficulties saying no. I had difficulties creating healthy boundaries. And it wasn't until I learned how to meditate and slow down my mind that I became aware of just how busy I was and how I was putting myself last. Mm -hmm. And so 
things that really helped me do the inner work was to increase that self-care. And for me, that meant spending time in silence. That meant finding time, maybe even five minutes in a day to journal. That means finding time away from my children and my family to feed my soul so that when I show up for them, I have more energy and I am also experiencing more happiness because I had a chance to meet my own needs. It's important to talk about that five minutes, one minute, Mm. even quick wins, because I know, I know Mm -hmm. from experience that finding a place of solitude, that getting moments of silence feels impossible at times Mm -hmm. to moms, particularly moms of young kids. And that in and of itself can feel daunting. So go for the quick win, the easiest thing, even if it is to take 30 seconds of deep breathing, do it. If that's all you can do, do that and then work on building from that. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to be tomorrow you're meditating for an hour a day because then I think we feel like, oh, I'm just going to fail before I start. And then we get almost deeper in those limiting beliefs, right? Yes. And to be clear, I started using a meditation app for two minutes a day. I used the app called Headspace. And I'm really, familiar with that. Exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. Two minutes a day. You know, Emily, I also think that this is a great time to just speak about that self-care piece. You're right. As women, as young mothers with young children, it is very difficult to find that time. And yet it is equally important to put yourself on the schedule. Speaking from experience, I did not put myself on the schedule. I know that mothers would tell me when your child naps, take a nap. I didn't do that. When my child napped, I went into high gear. I had to try and fix and do everything that wasn't done while they were awake. And really, I didn't model good self-care for myself or for my children. Now I'm at a point where my children can clearly see me caring for myself. And I'm so grateful for that because I want my kids, I have a daughter and a son, I want my kids to prioritize their self-care as well. And so that takes me back to, you know, in the beginning, I didn't knock it out of the park. I didn't know all these things. It was through trial and error that I discovered. And yes, I I just want to drive home the importance of self-care for parents in general. And, And what a beautiful gift you're giving your children to see you caring for yourself. Hmm. Jen, I love that you're talking about these things. I also love that you're sharing with us. It's never too late. It doesn't matter where you are in your parenting journey, but you can start all of this today and you can take baby steps and work your way there. But you can absolutely recover from a couple bad days and be the kind of mom or parent you want to be. So, mm-hmm. Jen, if folks want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? 
Uh, there's a few ways you can find me on LinkedIn. I am also hanging out on Facebook, or you can find me on my website, www.genuine, spelt with a J, genuinelifecoach.com. We'll be sure to include all of that on your episode page. And hey, if you haven't signed up yet, be sure to go to mothersofmisfits.com and sign up to receive our episode insiders newsletter, where you can get all the insider scoop on Jen and our other guests. Jen, thanks again for coming on. It's really great to have you. Oh, thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast, Emily. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.